Let's bow our heads in prayer, please. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and any, any given service, we have people that come with all kinds of needs, and they come uh, with hearts full, full of celebration, joy. Some come with grief, fresh grief. Some come with maybe bewilderment, looking for a fresh word from the Lord, just needing an extra portion of His Spirit and guidance, some encouragement. So as our heads are bowed, whatever may be your need this morning, if, if it's not already been met, we're praying that before the service is over that God's Spirit will meet that particular need. Now we come to worship, we come to focus on our God. But there are times that we come and needs are so deep that we're looking for something God can say to us, can speak to us as we begin our focus on Him. Also, if there's any distractions, maybe there's, maybe there's sin that needs to be confessed. Maybe there's uh, some other activity later today or later this week and it's just kind of consuming your name or your mind at this moment. And I would encourage you to just take that to the Lord in prayer and say, hey, Lord, I, I, I know I need to focus. Help me just get this out of my mind right now. So I can focus totally on what you have for me in this service. So take just a moment of silence and the quietness of this moment. Take it to the Lord right now. <coughs> Father God, we've been worshiping in spirit as we have shared music and wonderful truths of your word, the gospel, have already been shared. But now, Father, as we prepare our hearts to come and worship in truth, looking into your word specifically for some guidance this day, we pray that your Holy Spirit will illuminate our hearts and minds. Whatever needs may need to be met, Father, we pray that they will. Any burdens that need to be lifted, any distractions that need to be dealt with, and may we do so. May we give our full attention to you at this moment. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Next Sunday morning, uh, going to be a little different in a different kind of sermon. Uh, instead of just one topic, I'm going to be looking at uh, probably five or six different little topics. And uh, we're, we're going to look at some of those questions that sometimes people have, have about heaven. We don't need a whole sermon to, um, to deal with them. But we're going to take a survey just to give you a, a little preview of what we're going to talk about, a small portion next week. How many of you believe your pets are going to be in heaven? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you don't really care if your pets? No, no. <laughs> but that, that's going to be one of the things. We're going to talk about animals. We're going to talk about animals in heaven. We're going to talk about our, our pets in heaven. We're also going to talk about near-death experiences. And we, we read about this. We see movies that uh, popularize uh, some of these viewpoints, and we're going to be looking at that. We're also going to talk about, do people know what, uh, what is uh, happening? Uh, I mean, do people in heaven know what's happening on earth? Do they know what's going on down here? Another one is, what kind of body am I going to have in heaven? What, what is it going to look like? What am I going to look like in heaven? And another one that uh, we're going to use to kind of summarize our thoughts next week is, what does a Jewish marriage teach us about heaven? So we're going to be looking at that next Sunday. But today we're looking specifically at uh, what about the rewards and crowns? What's that all about? We talked about heaven being a place where there'll be rewards and crowns. 
And we want to talk about that this morning. In Revelation 22, 12, it says, Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to each person according to what they have done. Now, that sounds pretty good, but listen to this verse, Hebrews 9, 27. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Now, those verses seem maybe to be just a little bit of, of a conflict there, but let me... I remind you that there's going to be judgment. Every one of us are going to stand before the divine judge. No one escapes judgment. So how do we reconcile these verses? So let's look at our first point. The first one is, will Jesus judge me in heaven? And the answer is yes, Jesus will judge you in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while we're in the body, whether good or bad. David Dykes, who just retired as pastor of the Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas, wrote a book talking about the Traveler's Guide to Heaven. In there, he made reference to a movie that was made a few years back of a teenage boy that dies and goes to heaven. And when he is in heaven, he sees a card catalog. Now, there's a lot of teenagers and children, young adults, you've never seen a card catalog. But in the old libraries, uh, before the days of computer, there was a card catalog that had a card for each book that was in the library. And so it was by title, by subject, it was indexed in a in number of different ways so we could find books in the library. Well, this young man found a card catalog, and he began to look through it, and he found every one of his sins listed card by card. It was embarrassing to him. He had gotten to heaven, looked in the card catalog, and there were all his sins. Another rendition of that is another picture of a young man. He gets to heaven, and there is this 1,152-inch HD screen, and all his sins are being flashed up there so his parents and friends and strangers can look at. Now, is that what is going to happen in heaven? The answer is no. That's not going to happen in heaven. Sometimes maybe you have heard somebody teach that. Maybe you've even heard a preacher preach that in error. And uh, preachers sometimes have been known to do that to keep the membership in line. But that is not going to happen in heaven. There is going to be a judgment in heaven, but your sins have already been dealt with before you reach heaven. And so judgment in heaven for you as a Christian will have nothing to do about the sin in your life. That was dealt with at the cross. In Romans 5.1 it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That word justified, and sometimes we over, over um, uh, state part of that when it says just as if it had never happened, we stand justified before God, and yes, it is just like we never had sinned, but we really did sin, but that sin has been taken care of, but it is as if God has forgotten it, as if it had never happened at all. Let me explain it this way. You have a, maybe a debit card, and you have overdrawn on your debit card, and you can't use that debit card anymore until you go and take care of the debt at the bank. 
And so you go and take care of the debt. You go ahead and take care of the penalty. But let's say that you are bankrupt and you don't have any money to take care of it. That's a picture of what happened when you were lost in your sin. When you were lost in your sin, you had to have somebody to come to your aid because you were overdrawn. And someone did come to your rescue. That was Jesus. Jesus came to your rescue and paid a debt that you could no longer pay. You could never pay it to begin with. There would be nothing you could ever do to be able to pay that debt. But He came and He gave His righteousness. God drew on the righteousness of Jesus Christ on your behalf so that your sin could be forgiven. And because of what that was done, uh, taken care of on the cross, then we don't have to worry anything about that when we face God. Romans 8.1 says this, Therefore there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. If there is condemnation, it is because you've allowed Satan to seep into your mind to keep you on a guilt trip about some sin that you need to confess. Now that, we have some condemnation because we are, in, as, a, as a Christian, we, we find ourselves slipping back into sin. Yes, there may be, but it's not from God. It will be from Satan who is doing that. God will bring conviction in your heart, but the condemnation comes from Satan. But Paul reminds us there is no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because your debt was taken care of on the cross. We sing a song uh, I have in the past and we sing from time to time. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my soul rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. I mean, we can be happy all the day because it was taken care of. So what about this judgment? What, what, about, what does this mean when we read in the Scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.10 that we must appear before the, before the judgment seat of Christ? Well, that judgment seat is the Bema seat. It's the Bema seat. In the Greek day when Paul was writing this, it was the custom that in the larger communities... They had this platform, a raised platform, and it was a place for minor judgments to be cast down, but most of the time it was a place for awards. And so there would be athletic events. And so the official, the judge, would be in a position that he could look down and fairly judge the athletic event and then award those who were the winners. And so that's the picture here. We're going to find ourselves before the judgment seat, before the bema seat of our Lord Jesus Christ, and there that we will receive our rewards. Now, this is not to be confused with the judgment of the nations in Matthew 25, where there talks about the separation of the sheep and the goats. And it's not Revelation 20, the great white throne judgment that we talked about last Sunday, about non-believers who will be raised in a second resurrection and they'll appear before God and they'll be cast into the lake of fire for eternity because they failed to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But 1 Corinthians 3, would you turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians 3? <clears throat> and this morning we look at just for a few moments in this passage that speaks specifically about this judgment coming before the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 10. 
By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, and yet will be saved even though only as one escaping through the flames. Now what the Apostle Paul does here is he helps us understand something about this judgment. So let's ask the question, who will be at this judgment? And it will be only Christians and all Christians. In 2 Corinthians, again, 5.10, it says that we all will come before the judgment seat of Christ. Guess what all means in the Greek? All, all right? All Christians will come before this judgment. We will find Jesus, the perfect judge, who judges flawlessly. He will be our judge. He will be evaluating us. I will not judge myself because I'm too lenient on myself. It, it won't be my, my family friends because, see, they, they have blind spots. They're biased about me as well. It won't be my enemies because, man, they will stick it to me, all right? It will be the perfect judge, Jesus himself. Uh, what about where, when, and what will happen? Well, where it will happen will be in heaven. This judgment will take place in heaven. When? Uh, and it will happen right after the rapture of the church, when we go into the presence of God. That's when this judgment will take place. Matthew 5.12 says, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And what's going to be happening? Well, what's going to happen is that we'll be, have our works evaluated. See, God has given all of us gifts, abilities, opportunities. And all these things that have been given all of our lifetime are going to be evaluated how we use them to bring honor and glory and to carry out the mission that God has for us. We are to be stewards of what he has given to us. In Romans chapter 14, 12, it says, So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. That word to give an account is a, is a metaphor of a, of a trustee. Some of you have served as trustees, maybe on a board or an organization, uh, a community uh, event of some sort. And as a trustee, you have legal responsibilities to make sure that that organization is functioning right in a physical way, in a financial way, in a responsible way. And as a trustee, as an elected board of directors, you will be held accountable if there are any problems that you didn't take care of. And so in the same way, God has given us talents, gifts, abilities, opportunities, and we also are going to be held accountable how we manage the trust that God has given to us. In Ephesians chapter 2.10, we are told that we were created for good works. God has gifted us for good works. Romans 14.13 says, or Revelation 14.13 says that when, when we die, our good works follow us right into, into heaven. 
So we're going to be evaluated, held accountable for these God-given opportunities. And it's going to be at the Bema judgment seat. And the question Jesus is going to ask is this, what have you done with what I've entrusted you with? It's not going to be about your sin. Your sins aren't going to be cast up on a screen. But you are going to have to give an account. What did you do with what God placed in your hands? Your gifts, your opportunities, your abilities. These are the things that are going to be requested of you. What did you do with those while you were living here on earth? Now, two things are going to happen. First of all, there's going to be a revealing the quality of your service. Notice in, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse, verse 13, it says, It will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each person's work. The quality of your work. Not the quantity of your work. It's not how many times you were in church. It's not how many times you were in Sunday school. How many times you read the Bible. How many times you sang in the choir or did this or that and the other. No, it's going to be the quality of your work is what is going to be tested. See, the Bible uses a metaphor here in, in this passage, Paul does, of building a house. The foundation is Jesus Christ. The foundation of our spiritual life is Jesus. But so what are we to do? We're to build on that foundation. We are to build our Christian service on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so we're going about our life day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and we are building on this. Here the scripture says there are six kinds of material. There's the gold, there's the silver, there's the precious stones, there's the wood, hay, and the straw, those are the building materials of which is uh, being used here, offered for us to be able to build this structure. Now, you know, just from your mind, you, you've, you've got it figured out. The gold, the silver, the precious jewels, those are the permanent things. Those are the most valuable things. Those are the things that represent you serving God, doing it God's way. You're seeking how God wants to, to use you. You let God use you. And God gets the glory. He gets the praise. He gets the honor for all those things that you are doing where you sought Him. Where you wanted what He wanted done, done and you did what He wanted uh, done. You were obedient to Him. On the other side, there's the wood, hay, and stubble. Those are the, those are the perishable things. Those are the things that represent when you go about trying to serve God your way instead of his way. When you get your way, when you want to be recognized for what you have done, when you want the praise and honor and glory, that's what that represents. So the Bible says one day we're going to stand before the, the bema, before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. And all of that is going to be evaluated. And how it's going to be evaluated? Well, there's going to be a fire. And Jesus Christ is going to look at your structure that you have built. And he's going to see whether it's gold, silver, precious stones, or whether it is the wood, hay, and stubble. And what is he going to do? He's going to start a fire. Remember in Revelation chapter 114, his eyes were like blazing fire. And so just in the snap of the fingers, he's going to cause a fire to consume all of the good works, the works, whatever it is that you are offering before him, it's going to be burned. Those that were made and built out of the precious stones, the silver, the gold, and all of that, 
that's going to survive. That which you built out of wood and hay and stubble, that's going to wind up as ashes. And you will be judged according to what is left over at the end of the fire. Now, there may be a blending. There may be times when, hey, you've got some gold and silver and precious stone. You did some good things. Maybe there's time in your life when, when you didn't do so well. That's why we won't be judged against each other. It's going to be the quality of our work. It's going to be what is left over that is really going to count. So there's going to be a revelation, a revealing of the quality. But there's going to be something else about your service. There will be the rewarding of faithfulness for your service. There will be the rewarding, the faithfulness of your service. Notice in verse 14. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. And it will be based on your faithfulness to have used all of those talents, gifts, opportunities, used your time appropriately. So let's look at a parable we're most familiar with. In Matthew chapter 25, there was a landowner. He was going to go away for a season. He left three of his employees, one with $5,000, another $2,000, another $1,000. And he told them that there was going to be a, a day of accountability, that they were to go and they were to take that capital and they were to invest their capital. And there would be an accounting. So he left and when he came back, the man with 5000 doubled his. And so he was rewarded by the landowner. The one with 2000 doubled his. He was rewarded for what he did. For the one that had the $1,000, before, before the owner could say anything, he was making excuses. Oh, I know that you are a tight-fisted man, and you are a hard man, and you are a harsh man. And, 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 and so I just went, and I just hid what you gave me. I just hid it in a coffee can. And so the landowner comes back and says to him, Listen, you could have put it in the bank and made a little bit of interest if you just put it in the bank, but you are a wicked and lazy servant, and now my money smells like coffee. <laughs> Away with you. So looking at the parable, think about it for yourself. The Bible says that we're going to be held accountable. We're going to receive our due. The Bible says, whether good or bad, and that passage in 2 Corinthians uh, 5.10, when it says bad there, it's talking about worthless. It's not talking again. It's not talking about your sin, but it's talking about that whether you, the things you did were good, whether they were worthless in their life. And based on your faithfulness, you will be rewarded in this life. And failure to use what God gave you to go and hide it is no different than hiding it in a coffee can. Now, this judgment is not about condemnation. It's about commendation. It's not about sin. It's about service. It's not about punishment. It's about praise. It's not about rebuke, but it's about a reward. And God wants to reward all of us for the faithfulness of our service. So let's look at another point. How are we going to react? What's going to be your reaction to all of this? Well, first, I think for many of us, it's going to be a time of rejoicing. Because in Matthew 25, what did he tell those two servants that had doubled theirs? He said, well done, good and faithful servants. Enter into the joy of your salvation. Do you know the Apostle Paul was looking forward to the Bema Seat? He was looking forward to it. He knew he was going to get a reward. Listen to this in 2 Timothy 
Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul expected a crown because he had been serving faithfully. And he was encouraged as week in, week out, year in, year out. He was doing exactly what God, he had a peace in his heart. He was being obedient. It didn't mean that, that he uh, was perfect in all that he was doing. But he recognized there was going to be a crown that was given to him. Now the Bible speaks of two crowns, two kinds. There's two words for it. One is diadema and the other is stephanos. The scripture uh, uh, tells us that in Revelation uh, chapter 14, 14, that Jesus is going to come with a crown on his head. Well, you can already guess that crown is a diadem. But we're, we're not going to get one of those. But the Stephanos, the crown, the garland that was given to the winners of races and of different events, yes, we're going to get those kind of, those kind of crowns. And, and, and there's going to be a, an, a, an award ceremony. You ever been to an award ceremony? where there's so much excitement, so much hollering, and, 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 and people are just enjoying, they're clapping, they're celebrating with people, they're getting their awards. Well, the awards ceremony that I think the scripture, it's going to be a little bit different than that. In Matthew 6, 6, it says, Then your father, who sees in secret what is done in secret, will reward you. Think about that. The God who saw in secret sees what you've been doing in secret, and he's going to reward you. But I don't think it's going to be necessarily that all of us are going to be paraded across the platform and everybody's going to be necessarily celebrating ours. I think you'll know yours, I'll know mine, and, and that'll probably be just about it. But the important thing I want you to see is he knows what you've been doing. And because of your faithfulness, you're going to be rewarded. There's some of you here that through the years you've taken care of loved ones, you've taken care of sick family. Maybe it was a husband, a wife, maybe it was a mother or father, maybe it was children, your parents. And you're going to be rewarded for that faithfulness. Some of you were faithful prayer warriors. You've been praying faithfully through the years. Whatever it was that the church asked you to pray for, whatever it is God put on your heart, you've been a prayer warrior. You're going to be rewarded for that. For those of you that sacrifice sacrificially, I mean, financially, you sacrificed. And it may have been for your family, it may have been for the church, it may have been for some, something uh, that was so important in the ministry of God through missions giving, and God's going to reward you for that. Those humble acts of service that no one really knew about, that God's going to reward you. Yes, there will be those who will be rewarded because of their public ministries, and they were faithful to their public ministries. I believe that those that have the, the public gifts, they'll be recognized. But those who have those, those humble, private, very personal kind of gifts, God's going to reward you because he's going to reward you in faithfulness. It's the quality. It's not the quantity. It's not because I'm up here or our staff, Brother Guy and Deb through the years of their ministry. It, it's not because we were up here. We were just doing what we were supposed to do. We'll be held to even a higher accountability because we were more public. But all of us will be rewarded on the faithfulness of how God will bless us. But not only is there going to be a time of rejoicing, I think there's going to be a time of regret. I think there will be a time of regret. Those people that, that will remember 
that their lives basically was spent on the hay, wood, and straw of life. Listen to the same passage, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15 in a contemporary version. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous. rigorous. You, you won't get by with such a thing. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn down and started over. But you won't be torn out. You'll serve, but just barely. You'll survive, but just barely. And so there's going to come that time when there, there's going to be some regret. Some people are going to feel it in the presence of God. I won't know your regret. You probably won't know my rejoicing. I probably won't know your regret. But there will be that moment of regret realizing, hey, I did not give my life to the service of God like I should have. I did not serve as I should have in this life. Can I remind you again, we're not going to be judged based on each other. I'm not going to be judged by God's standard for you. You're not going to be judged by my standard. I'm not going to be judged by Billy Graham. Anybody here want to be judged by Billy Graham's standard? But I will be judged by what God gave Travis. And you will be judged by what God gave you. And all he asks is faithfulness. And I believe this. We're all going to be fully blessed, but not equally blessed. We're all going to be fully blessed, not equally blessed. This came to home to me this past summer. Our, our fourth grandchild graduated from high school this past summer. And as he was graduating in Prattville High School at the football field, uh, once again, I saw the, the, the graduation robes. I saw the, 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 the strings, you know, the cords that graduates wear for academic reasons and, and for other reasons. Then the stoles, the different kind of stoles that graduates wear, and some of them had pins on them. And this all uh, was a, a recognition of, of their the academics, of, of their participation in various student activities and accomplishments, and it was wonderful. But not all the students had cords and stoles, but all graduated. All graduated. All of them were fully blessed because they all walked away with a diploma. But they weren't equally blessed. And so that's how it's going to be in the presence of our God as well. So let's ask her one more, one more question. What will I do with my rewards and crowns? Am I going to walk around in heaven with a crown on my head? No way. No way. We're going to be just like the 24 elders over in Revelation Chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. The 24 elders fall down before him who sit on the throne and worship him with their lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. You were created, you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. The 24 elders who represent all of Christianity, all believers, Old Testament, New Testament, all combined. We are representative to them that we too will do the same thing. That we'll want to lay down our crowns at the very feet of Jesus. Those rewards that maybe we were unequally blessed, fully blessed, but unequally blessed, won't make a difference at all in the presence of God. 
But I'm going to tell you what, I would hate to think, I would hate to think that I would find myself in heaven and appearing before God, and I would, wouldn't have anything in my hands to offer Jesus. After all that Jesus did for me, saving me from my sin so that I could be right with God and that I could have entry into his presence, that the righteousness of Jesus Christ could be credited to me. I'd be ashamed to have to stand before God and not offer something in appreciation. And let me challenge you with that. When, we, when you think about the Bema Seed of Christ, think of it that the motivation that God is giving us to use what he has given us in this world to serve him. And it's not too late. It is not too late. Today is the beginning of the rest of your life. Maybe you've wasted time and wasted gifts and abilities and opportunities. You've wasted all in the past. But start today. Start today. And begin to serve him. Leave the rewards up to him. Just be faithful. So that you're not ashamed when you come into his presence. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I just thank you a reminder of heaven. While we don't understand everything about the crowns and the rewards, we do understand enough that as Christians, we will be held accountable. And that it's your desire to reward us. Great is our reward in heaven. You want to do this. You want to lavish all of this on us. So I pray, Father, that we will be found faithful that we'll be faithful and that we will be rewarded according to what you have done through us as we serve you. So may we be quick, Father, that if, there, if there's some building material that is of lesser quality, the wood, hay, and straw, that we, we would just tear that down now and begin to build with the gold and the silver, those precious stones. So that when the time comes, Father, we'll have something to offer into your presence. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. May we be faithful to you day by day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.